There are two words in the Bible, many, many, but two that came to me this week that have eternal significance. You know what they are? They're the exact opposites. The first word that came to me was condemnation. That's not, that's, not a, that's not a good word. But the other word that came to me was pardon. Exact opposites. But you will find these words sp- uh, spoken about, by, about Jesus, and you'll find them sprinkled throughout the Word of God. Now, there are two passages that speak so clearly about condemnation and about pardon. The first one you know is John 3, 16 through 18. So if you want to open your Bible, fine. If not, it'll be on the screen for you. But I want you to read this and just let it sink into you, into your heart. John three sixteen through 21. It says, We'll go back to, yeah, for verse 16. For God so loved the world. You need to put your name there. For God so loved you. That's right, you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, I like that. The ground's level at the foot of the cross. Rich, poor, black, white, young, old. Educated, uneducated. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him, not intellectually, not just emotionally. The word believes means to trust in, to rely on, to cling to. It's more than intellectual assent. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. There's that word condemn. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. He didn't come to condemn you. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Pardoned? That the world through him might be saved. It says... He who believes in him, Jesus, I love this, is not condemned. Well, that's good news. But he who does not believe is condemned already. You know, you don't have to do anything to be condemned because you've already done it, because we've all sinned. But now if you believe in Jesus, place your life in him and trust him, you're not condemned. But if you don't believe in him, you're living under condemnation. You will not be condemned at the end of the age. You're already living under condemnation. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the Son of God. He has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. That's why he's condemned, because he's not believed in Jesus. And, and, and listen to this now. Well, why would, why would anybody not receive pardon? Why would anybody not believe in Jesus? Here it is. 
It says, he who believes in him is not condemned. He who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of Son of God. This is why they don't receive the pardon. And this is the condemnation. This is why people are condemned. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. Jesus is the light of the world. The light of the world. He said, I am the light of the world. He says, I am the light that lighteth the life of every man who is created. He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the Son of God. This is a condemnation. Light has come into the world, but here's why they don't receive the pardon. Men loved darkness. I don't have to tell you that. People love darkness. See, that's all they've known, most of them. The glorious light of the gospel of Christ has not shined on them. And they, they love the darkness. That's all they know. They love the darkness. Have you noticed, I hope you haven't noticed, but in places where people sin, they don't usually have the lights real bright. A bar or a club, kind of lights are dim. It's kind of dark. It's almost like there's something being said here. Men love darkness. Hey, by the way, the devil's called the prince of darkness. Woo. He's the prince of darkness. And that men loved the darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And for everyone who practices evil hates the light, does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Now that passage speaks clearly that Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but to save people. Now, he did not come to condemn, but to pardon. Now, here's another very significant passage. Isaiah 55, verses 6 and 7. And I want you to notice them, and they'll be on the screen. It's, and this is so clear. Now, I look, and by the way, this is, this is important that you hear this first part. Seek the Lord while he may be found. You say, Brother Fred, I, ha I have plenty of time to seek the Lord. I'll always have an opportunity to seek the Lord. Oh, no urgency about it at all. Well, no, that's not what the Bible says. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. There may be a time when he can't be found. And there could be a time when he is not near. So all I know the word of God is, says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him him while he is near. Look what it says in the next verse. Let the wicked forsake his way. That's repentance. Just turn away from your sin. Come to Jesus, repent, ask for forgiveness, and turn away. Let the wicked forsake his way. Let the unrighteous man, his thoughts, let him return to the Lord, for he will have mercy on him and to our God. Now get this. For he will abundantly pardon. Seek the Lord. Call upon him. Come to him. And you know what God will do? Condemnation can be gone. And he will abundantly, abundantly pardon. 
So these two words, condemnation and pardon, I want us to look at them. The first one's bad news. Condemnation is bad news. But pardon is great news, the greatest news in the world. All right, we, we said earlier, Jesus did not come to condemn men and women. He did not. They were already under con- condemnation. It says, he that believes not is, all, uh, is condemned already. Now, <clears throat> why are people condemned? Why are they condemned? It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. God created Adam and Eve with a free will. And he gave them choice. You can eat of all the trees of the garden, but if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. The serpent came. Eve saw the tree of knowledge. It was pleasant to her eyes, a thing to be desired, something to make her wise. And so she ate. She disobeyed God. She sinned against God. Adam followed suit. He ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. At that moment, sin entered the human race. Up until that time, there was no sin. Oh, there had been sin in heaven. Satan had rebelled in heaven, and God had cast him out, along with a third of the angels, fallen angels. But there had been no sin on earth. But now when Adam and Eve sinned, from that point on, Man and woman was born with a sinful nature. Everyone since Adam, except Jesus, has been born with a nature that is sinful. It's all over the Bible, all over the Bible. And so therefore, the reason everyone is condemned, we're sinners by nature and by choice. But you say, wait a minute, Brother Fred. It's not fair. For me to be messed up because Adam sinned. I wasn't back there. I didn't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I mean, come on, man. Why have I got to be messed up because of Adam's sin? Well, let me just ask you a question. You say, it wasn't fair that I'm condemned because of Adam's sin. But let me ask you a question. Well, let's just forget about Adam's sin. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever sinned? Is there anybody in here that has never, ever, ever sinned? Well, you can't blame it on Adam. (laughs) Uh Uh-uh. You're responsible. I'm responsible. Now, I I sure wish Adam hadn't sinned and got a sinful nature. And then here when I was born, I was born with a sinful nature. I wish that would have never happened, but it did happen. And everyone in the world has been born except Jesus with a sinful nature. But that's not what condemns us. That's not what condemns us. It's the fact that each one of us personally sinned. And that's why everybody is condemned. You know, the Bible makes it so clear. I want you to listen to Romans 5, 16 through 19. This will help you to understand the world in which you're living. Why is this world so wicked? Why are there so many dictators? Why are there so many mass killings? Why, why, why is there so much robbery? Why so much? Uh, uh, this is just a, it's just a wicked world. It is. Well, why? Because men and women are sinners. 
and they have a sinful nature. And sin is a part of who they are. It says, it shows how that it came from Adam. Look here, it says, for the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. In other words, the gift that we get from Jesus is not like what we got from Adam. The gift is not come through the one who sinned, but the judgment which came from one offense, Adam's. Stay with me. The judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. Adam sinned. He got a sinful nature. We were born. We got a sinful nature. And it says here, came from the one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift, that's what Jesus does for us, called pardon, came from many offenses resulting in justification. So, through Adam's sin, judgment came upon all to condemnation, but Jesus comes and the gift of his results in justification to all. Then there's the next verse. It says in verse 17, by one man's offense, Adam sinned. Now, you've got to understand this. Most people don't understand why they have they're, they, 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 they sin. They don't understand why they love sin. They don't understand why it's so easy to sin. Well, it says here, one man's offense, death came, death reigned through one. Much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life by Jesus Christ. All right, we go on to the next verse. And it shows you why there's condemnation. Therefore, through one man's offense, judgment came to all, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, Jesus, the free gift came to them, resulting in justification of life. So, all people are condemned because they received from Adam a sinful nature, but they themselves sinned, and as a result, they are guilty. I want to just read a few a little bit so you'll understand our world in which we're living. I'm talking about condemnation. Look at Romans 3, and and you start over about verse 9. And man, I'll tell you, you read it and you say, wow, that's the day in which we're living. Man, that's unreal. Here it is. 3.9 says, uh, Romans 3. You know, I'm over in chapter 9. I'm going to go to the third chapter. That'll give you all a chance to think about it. Okay, 3.9. What then? Are we better than they, Jews and Gentiles? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks, that's all the human race, that they're all under sin. The Jews, the Greeks, we all under sin. It's written. There's none righteous. No, not one. There's none who understands. Hmm. There is none who seeks after God. They all turn aside. They have together become unprofitable. There's none who does good. No, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace they have not known. And then when sin runs its course, look at that next verse. There's no fear of God before their eyes. A person will be confronted with their sin. They'll be confronted with the consequences of their sin. You know what they say? 
I don't care. It's my life. I can live it the way I want. That's just the way you believe. I don't believe that way. And there's no fear of God. Even if they acknowledge there's a God. There's no fear of God before their eyes. And that's why so many people go off to college and become convenient agnostics. Because if they agree that there's God, then they've got to say, I'm responsible to him. So they get intellectual and, and, and much learning makes them mad. That's what it does. And they become a convenient agnostic. That's a bunch of bull. Condemnation is a real thing, y'all. We've all sinned. And we're all condemned. You know, I'm glad the Lord led me to do this. It was a sobering experience for me. I promise you, it, it sobered me. As I was thinking of condemnation, I said, I wonder how many people are on death row in Alabama. Under death row, already convicted, already condemned, waiting to die. So I, you, can, you, you can find anything if, if, if you Google it. I, I just Googled inmates in Alabama prisons who are on death row. Well, I didn't know what I'd find. There are 186. 186 people this morning, 99% of them in Holman Prison that are on death row. They're found guilty. They're sentenced to die and awaiting their death by lethal injection. I said, well, okay, they, they'll tell me how many. Oh, no, they didn't just do that. They're, I think it's, um, it's 87 of them are white, 93 are black, 87 white males, 93 black males, three other races as far as men, one black female and three white females, 186 in all, guilty, sentenced, condemned to die. Well, not only did it tell you that, it told you when they first went on death row, and there's been a man on death row since 1979. He's been down there for 36 years. Guess what the average age of people on death row is? 29. But I'll tell you what broke my heart. I was praying about it the other night, and I just started weeping. Every one of them, they got every one of their names. And so I started reading their name. I read their name when they were placed on death row and where they were from. Then I went to the second one. I said, my God. When they were born into this world, whoever dreamed they would end up condemned to die, simply waiting the appeal process, and then to be put to death. And then I read the next one, and the next one, and the next one, and I said, what, what is this? It was heartbreaking, just heartbreaking. And they'll stay on there 10 or 12 years before they're ever executed because they make appeal after appeal. But also they have one hope that maybe by chance they would be pardoned. And you know there are only two people that can pardon people on death row. 
the governor or the president. Those two people in authority have the right to pardon those that are on death row. But I said, you know, and I'm not trying to be, I'm not not trying to be, um, all, all I can say to you, everybody without Jesus, they're on death row. They've already been sentenced. And they're guilty. And unless they come to Jesus, their execution has already been set. And it will not be ceasing to die. It will be in an eternal place called hell. And that's why we can't take for granted about our neighbors and our sons and our daughters and our friends who, who, who do not know Jesus and have no evidence of Jesus in their life. They, have, they do not have the fruit of the Spirit. They have the works of the flesh. That's why we cannot say, but they're okay. They're not okay. They're on death row, and they are already condemned, and the sentence has already been called. It's just a matter of the judgment day. So I said, this kind of reminds me of what it might be like on Judgment Day. And, and I turned over to the book of Revelation, chapter 3, chapter 21, and there are a couple of verses there. I hope they'll put them up on the screen. Revelation 20, 21. And, and it talks about the reality of judgment and how the books are opened, how the books are opened. And, and I read the names, and I read the names. I said, you know, it's an open book. Revelation 20, I don't guess we're going to get that on the screen, but I'll find it. Revelation 20, I want to listen to what it says, 21. Um, there it is. No, that's not it. That's 11. No, I, I, it's 21. And, and it says, I'll just, I'll just, I got it, remember, I'll tell you what it is. It says, and I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it, from whose face heaven and earth fled away. And I saw the dead, phys- not spiritually, but phys- I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. Death row. So-and-so, that was Mobile County. So-and-so, that was Escambia County. So-and-so, that was Dallas County. And the books were opened. And men were judged by what was written in the books. I want to tell you something. It's a serious thing to be without Jesus Christ. It is a serious thing to be condemned. It's nothing to laugh at. It's nothing to make jokes about. Hell is a real place. You say, now, Brother Fred, you know today that the majority of the people don't believe in hell. What's that got to do with it? 85% believe in heaven. Only 3% believe in hell. 
Where do you get that? Are you telling me God's never going to balance the books? Are you never telling me that God's never going to make every injustice right? Are you telling me that God's never going to hold to account? Let me tell you what the Bible says. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. Let me tell you what the Bible says. So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. The devil's lied to people. So judgment's real. Condemnation is real. You say, Brother Fred, can those people on death row be saved? Yeah. By the way, you know, when, you know why every one of them's on death row? Every one of them. Murder. And it had to be capital murder. That means murder with malice or with intent. Every time, evidently, they had time to think about it. And every time, evidently, they got bitter. And every time they got, evidently, they got full of hate. And then one day, they committed the act. So it's not just, quote, manslaughter. It was murder with malice. That's what it was. In evil intent. They were all there. But, you know, I thought about something. Now, I'm, I'm really going to trouble some people here. And I'm really going to stir some waters here. But I, I'm going to say it, okay? Because I believe it. What about the 55 million babies that have been murdered in their mother's womb? Whoa. Will God forgive? Yes. Oh, yes. Jesus died so we could be forgiven. But I'm telling you, it's a serious thing. But now let me go on to the best part of this message, and that is, I want to talk to you about pardon. It says in verse 16 and 17 of John 3, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Everyone on death row, Jesus came so they would not be condemned. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believes on him is not condemned. He that believes not is condemned already. The word pardon, the word pardon means the action of being forgiven. Look it up in the dictionary. Just, I'm not a Bible dictionary, just a dictionary. It's the act of being forgiven of an error or an offense. And one of them it said, pardon is the forgiveness of sin. So, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, his unrighteous his thought. Let him return unto the Lord, for he will abundantly pardon. God is not a reluctant forgiver, my Lord. Well, God just, he just doesn't want to forgive people. What are you talking about? God is merciful, and is from the, as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is the mercy of God to those that fear him. Our God is a God of mercy. What do you mean God doesn't want to forgive? Why do you think his son Jesus died on the cross and suffered and bled and died? Why do you think he did that? Because God wanted to forgive. That's why he did it. You know, I want to tell you something. You can be pardoned. Every one of us can be pardoned. Every one of us can be forgiven. Every one of us can have the guilt and the shame and the heavy load of sin lifted off of us. 
And we can know pardon. But you know, I want to tell you something. The pardon, it came with a great price and a great cost. What did it cost God to pardon you? What did it cost God to pardon me? I mean, what was the cost? What price had to be paid for my sins to be washed away? What price had to be paid for the guilt and shame of my sin and rebellion to be removed? What was the price? Well, I'm going to read it to you. And I don't want you to get distracted now. Uh, What we're fixing to do, all the Bible's inspired, but we're fixing to walk on holy ground. Sometimes we get so familiar with things, they lose their meaning. In Matthew 27, I'm going to begin in verse 1. When morning came, all the chief priests and elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate. Now, we're on holy ground here. He's bound, and he's going to Pontius Pilate. Then we look over in verse 22 through 25. It says, Then Pilate said to them, verse 22, What then shall I do with Jesus? He gave them a choice between the worst criminal, Barabbas, in all the world. They said, I can release a prisoner. Tell you what I'll do, I'll give you a choice. He said, surely they're going to let Jesus go. I'll, I'll let Barabbas go or I'll let Jesus go. They said, let Barabbas go. Let him go. Let him go. And then he asked the question. What then shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all said to him, let him be crucified. And then the governor said, why? Why do you want me to crucify him? What's the problem? What evil has he done? But they all cried out the more, saying, let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that a tumult was rising, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I'm innocent of the blood of this person. Pilate, you can't get Jesus off your hands that easy. (laughs) You can't wash him off your hands with water. And then, then the people answered, boy, listen to what they said. Will his blood be on us? And on our children. Well, we go on and we continue to walk on holy ground. And we see um, the purchase that Jesus paid. The price he paid for the forgiveness of our sin. And we get over to verse 45. He's on the cross right now, y'all. Now from the sixth hour unto the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God. It was a loud voice. I'm I'm, I'm toning my voice down. But I, I just, I don't know how loud Jesus said this. I do not know. I do not know. 
my God. This is the price he paid. This is what it costs for us to be pardoned. My God. My God. (laughs) Why have you forsaken me? You know why? Because all of your sin was placed on Jesus. All of my sin was placed on Jesus. And holy God cannot look up, he can have nothing to do with sin. And so as the, sin, the, the sins of every man or woman that would ever be born, the guilt and the shame was placed upon his son. God turned away. And Jesus said, I'm forsaken. Boy, I tell you, you can be pardoned, but it wasn't cheap. Mm-mm. It was costly. The Son of God was forsaken when we should have been forsaken. And it goes on, and it says, some of those who stood there said he's calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them took a a sponge and filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed. The rest said, let him alone. Let's see if Elijah will come and save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and died. You know, what did he say? Matthew didn't tell us, but John did. Jesus cried out with a loud voice. Now, you know, he cried with a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because there was a big mob around there listening to him. And then he got to the point where he he says, I've done what God called me to do. I've taken the sins of the world. And in John 19, 30, he said, it is finished. He didn't say, I'm finished. He was just getting started. He said, it is finished. What? Everything that you needed to be pardoned. Everything that you needed to be forgiven. Everything you needed to be released from your condemnation. And for that condemnation to be removed, Jesus had paid it all. And he said, it's finished, Father. Now, Fred doesn't have to die condemned. Bill, Sue, Jim, Jane, they don't have to die condemned. They can die physically, not spiritually. You never die. They can live forgiven, not guilty, not shame, pardoned. They're not living on death row anymore. They're living In the kingdom of God. They've left the kingdom of darkness. And they're now in the kingdom of light. And God you are their father. And I will be their savior. And there's no condemnation. Boy you know what Romans 8 1 says. Boy that will make me run up and down this aisle. Let me tell you what it says. Listen to it. Romans 8 1. There is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm not condemned. Do I deserve to be? Yes. But I'm not because there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, Romans 8, 3, has made us free from the law of sin and death. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Pardoned. Pardoned. 
forgiven. It cost Jesus a great price. The price for your pardon you could never pay. But Jesus paid it all. You know, the Bible tells us in Lent, uh, it says that the Father made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. That's why can be, we can be pardoned, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Hebrews 10 says he offered one sacrifice for sin forever and sat down at the right hand of the Father. And then you get on in Hebrews and it says, therefore having, now th- th- listen, we talk about, oh, the, to be living in his presence. Oh, to live in your presence, Lord. Oh, to enjoy your presence, Lord. I couldn't do that as a condemned, wicked, un- ungodly sinner. But now it says here, it says, having therefore, brethren, confidence to enter the holy presence through the blood of Jesus by that new and living way provided for us inside the veil, having our hearts sprinkled from our evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So let's just come right on in to the presence of God and live at the throne of grace. Condemnation is awful. It's real. But pardon is awesome. It is real. And I'm telling you, the only reason you would not be pardoned is if you refused it. Could you imagine the guy that's been on death row since 1979? The governor says, well, he's been on there 36 years. And I think he's guilty, but I'm making a choice. I am pardoning him. You let him go free. Do you think he would say, I don't, I don't want that. I don't, I don't want that pardon. But you don't understand. It's not going to cost you anything. It, 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 it's an edict from someone in authority. You, you can be pardoned. I, I don't want it. I don't want it. I, I'm going to stay right here on death row. I'm going to stay right here until they give me that lethal injection and I die. I, I'm not interested in that pardon. You say, that is idiotic, Brother Fred. Any man who's under condemnation who was offered a pardon would receive it then why don't lost people do it today? Why do they continue in condemnation? Oh, I'm going to tell you why. It says, and this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world. But get this now. Men loved darkness rather than light. They don't want to give up their sin. You know what the main thing is? They don't want to give up the control of their life. I am in control of my life. No, you aren't. You're, you're under the control of the enemy, and you're under the control of sin. But uh, I, I, it's my life. I want to live it the way I want to live it. I don't want to be under anybody's authority. I don't want to be controlled by anyone. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. It's all about me, mine, and I'm going to live the way I want to live, and I'm going to die the way I want to die. And you will because you refuse the pardon. All right, I'm going to close with this verse. What if a person refuses the pardon? What if they say, I know Jesus died for me. I know he shed his precious blood for my sin. And I know that if I repent and tell God, have mercy on me, a sinner, and I'm broken over my sin and I'm willing to turn from my sin and turn to Jesus, I know that I can be forgiven. But 
I know Jesus has made the sacrifice. I know about it. I know all about the cross. Don't keep telling me about the cross. I know about the cross. Don't keep telling me about pardon. I know about pardon. But I'm just honest with you. I'm not ready. I'm not, I'm not ready. And I'm not willing. And I don't want to. And I'm not, so you're just wasting your bread. Leave me alone. I, I'm, I, but I'm talking to you about pardon, man. You can be forgiven. You can have a new life. You don't have to be guilty. You don't have to be full of shame. You, you don't have to. Well, what if they reject the pardon? Well, th- this is kind of strong, but I- I'm just going to read it. Now, this is what it says in Hebrews 10, verse 26. And he's been talking about the pardon now. Jesus, in chapter 10, made one sacrifice for sin forever. By one offering, he perfected everyone who could be sanctified. He's saying everything that needs to be, you need to be saved, to be forgiven, has already been done. The sacrifice has been made. No more goats, no more lambs, no more doves, no more no artificial false sacrifices that could only cover sin. The real sacrifice has been made. It was made for you. And if you'll come to Jesus and receive his sacrifice, repenting of your sins and turning to him, you'll be pardoned. I don't want it. Don't believe it. God going to have it. I'm going to live my life. All right, okay. Here it is. Verse 26. It's on the screen. If we sin willfully, after we receive the knowledge of the truth. What's the truth? Jesus died for your sins. You can be forgiven. The sacrifice has been made. Now, that's the truth. If we sin willfully, we just keep on living. I don't care about the sacrifice. I'm going to keep on living the way I want to live. If we sin willfully after we receive the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. You know why? You rejected the only one. There will not be another, and you rejected the only one. There's no longer a sacrifice for sin, but a certain expectation of judgment. Do you know what every one of those people on death row know is out there ahead of them? Death by lethal injection. They know that judgment is coming. And he says here, if you reject the sacrifice of Jesus, that there's only a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. And listen to what he talks about when somebody rejects a sacrifice. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much greater punishment do you shall be supposed who will be thought worthy Now, if you reject the sacrifice, this is what it says. Of how much greater punishment do you suppose will be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God under their feet and have counted the blood of his covenant an unholy thing? The blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing and has insulted the grace of God. Let me just put it in these words. You know Jesus died for you. You know he shed his blood. You know he wants to save you. He He lives to pardon you. Oh, he lives to pardon you. He loves you so much. I'm not going to receive the sacrifice. You know what it says? You think the people who rejected Moses' law were judgment? Of how much greater punishment do you think a person's going to be that just
trampled underfoot the Son of God. And there's his precious blood. And counted the blood of the covenant with which he was sanctified. An unholy thing. All the blood of Jesus. That's, that's a That's unholy. He says, of how much greater punishment shall he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot and counted the blood of the covenant an unholy thing and has, and has insulted the grace of God? It's a lot more serious than we think. You're either condemned or you're pardoned. You're either on death row or you're now, your name's written in the Lamb's book of life and you're on the narrow road that leads to heaven. There's no in between. Well, I consider it. The devil will see to it that you don't consider it. I'll think about it. Well, the devil will see to you you don't think about it. Maybe one day I'll be ready to deny myself and all my sin, and maybe I'll be ready to receive. Probably not. Because, you know, he that often being reproved hardens his neck shall suddenly be cut off, and that without remedy. Brother Fred, that's a pretty hard word. No, that's... That's one of the greatest words I could ever preach. We are condemned, but we don't have to be. What's bad about that? Well, I don't like hellfire and brimstone. Well, then don't go there. I've told you how you can be forgiven, how you can be saved, how you can be free, how you don't have to be guilty, how that Jesus Christ loves you. He died for you. He lives to live in you. And you've got hope today. Why in the world would you ever want to reject the sacrifice of the Son of God? The only reason you would is you love your sin and you love yourself. Well, if it comes up to a vote, I'm voting you out. Go right ahead. It ain't coming up for a vote. (laughs) I don't want your blood on my hands. Why didn't Brother Fred warn me? Why didn't he tell me that I don't want your blood on my hands? God knows. You go to these churches and preachers say all is well. Never speak about sin. Never speak about conviction. Never speak about holiness. You're okay and I'm okay. Just just have a good life and do the best you can. And one day they die and standing at the judgment. And I hope that preacher standing about five feet from them and say, You liar, why didn't you warn me to get under out from under condemnation and give my life to Jesus Christ? Why didn't you warn me? You can't say that. Because I have. 